Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. This week on the podcast, I sit down with Laura King to talk about her story, My First Pregnancy. We can hear the heartbeat, which sounds great. The gestational sac, which is what the baby starts out with, looks good. So I, I left feeling reassured. Which she told live on stage at Free Ceramics in Helena, Montana in April of 2017. The theme that night was the first time. We also talk about podcasting and the new podcast that she's working on with her cousin in California. Yeah, so actually I'm super excited about the project itself and gathering these stories. My cousin and I have two great uncles who are pretty interesting historical figures in Los Angeles. Both lawyers, and I'm a lawyer, so that's kind of fun. One of them was very conservative and the other one was very liberal. So we've got a guy who is an FBI and involved in propaganda, supporting Japanese internment on the one hand, and then we've got the other guy who is a criminal defense attorney and very active in, you know, abolition of criminal punishment and the efforts, early, early efforts to legalize marijuana. Thank you for joining me as I take you behind the scenes at Tell Us Something to meet the storytellers behind the stories. In each episode, I sit down with a Tell Us Something Storyteller alumni. We chat about what they've been up to lately and about their experiences sharing their story live on stage. Sometimes we get extra details about their story and we always get to know them a little better. Before we get to Laura's story and our subsequent conversation, I am so excited to tell you that the next in-person Tell Us Something storytelling event will be March 30th at the Wilmot. The theme is Stone Soup. Seven storytellers share their true personal stories without notes on the theme Stone Soup. We are running at 75% capacity, which allows for listeners to really spread out at the WOMA. Learn more and get your tickets at logjampresents.com. Laura King shared her story in front of a live audience at Free Ceramics in Helena, Montana in April of 2017. The theme was The First Time. Laura King, a 32-year-old, married to her high school sweetheart, becomes pregnant and has to juggle that with the stress of being in law school. Her first ultrasound is an internal ultrasound at five weeks and goes well. She returns home and has to go back to the hospital after complications arise. Thanks for listening. This story is about a pregnancy and you might notice that I'm pregnant right now. It's not about this pregnancy but it's about my first pregnancy which occurred when I was in my last year of law school. I was a third-year law student at Harvard Law School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I was 32 years old. My husband and I uh, are high school sweethearts. So at that point, we had been together for 16 years, married for eight. So this was a long time in coming. But we had put it off and put it off, and, and we're finally feeling like, well, there's no time like the present. Let's just dive in. I got pregnant easily. I was thrilled to be pregnant. I very much wanted this, but as much as I wanted it, that level of anticipation also seemed to create an equal level of nervousness and dread about what might go wrong. So I think it was because I was so nervous that I was eager for reassurance and it's unusual to have an ultrasound at five weeks pregnant, but at about five and a half weeks, I organized to go in and have an ultrasound. 
And at that point, they can't do an external ultrasound. The baby is too tiny, tiny. So they do an internal one, which means putting a wand up inside and getting as close as possible to the baby. And they did this and found a heartbeat. They said, your baby's doing just fine. And um, we can hear the heartbeat, which sounds great. The gestational sac, which is what the baby starts out with, looks good. So I, I left feeling reassured. Went home. A couple hours later, started bleeding. So <laughs> I was extremely frightened. I called them right away. I'm bleeding. What's going on? Oh, that's probably okay. It's a common response when you have an internal ultrasound to have a little bit of bleeding. The cervix is sensitive. So I, I took a deep breath and, all right, well, would you like to come back in? And I did. So I came back in. They did another ultrasound internal again. This time they said, we can't find the heartbeat. They gave me a little cup. They said, it's Columbus Day weekend. The clinic will be closed. If you do have a miscarriage, please collect the specimen in this cup. Keep it in your refrigerator over the weekend and bring it to us. I was crushed. It was so clinical, this passing of the cup to me. I was in tears. I went home. I got a bee in my bonnet that I should take herbal miscarriage prevention tea. And I looked online to see what combinations I might create. I called up my husband. He had the car. We had one car. He had the car at work. I said, can you take me and get these herbs? I really need them. I'm bleeding. I think I'm miscarrying. He said, I can't leave work. I'm busy. So I decided I'd take matters into my own hands and take a bus. I wasn't used to taking buses in the city. I was so close to school that I usually walked. So I figured out the schedule. I found myself on a bus, still bleeding. And also on my lap was my law school work, which you know, I was having this crisis. And at the same time, I thought, well, maybe it's not a crisis. Maybe I just have to continue doing this routine of uh, preparing for my advanced environmental law class. So I'm reading a Supreme Court case on uh, a recent Supreme Court case on environmental law as I'm on the bus to Whole Foods to get these herbs. They don't have them at Whole Foods. My husband comes home. He takes me to another store. We finally get the herbs, and I'm doing cups and cups of tea, and in the meantime, hoping that nothing will come out to fill this other cup that I've been given. I call people in my family who could help me. I call my mother-in-law who had four miscarriages during law school. No, seven miscarriages during law school. She also bled through one of her pregnancies. And so she told me, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something. You just have to wait and see. I called my sister and my mom who had not had miscarriages and um, they didn't have much reassurance to offer. My sister said, oh, maybe it's just implantation bleeding. I said, oh, no, that would have happened two weeks ago. That's when the baby burrows in and implants. This is much later. Well, the bleeding didn't stop. It got worse, despite the tea. The tea seemed to do nothing but 
fuel the liquid that was coming out. I was in bed for the next three days as things got more bleak. And the pain got intense. It was worse than my birth experience with my son, which was unmedicated for 12 hours and ended in a C-section. So maybe I didn't get to the point where it really hurt. But <laughs> in any case, this miscarriage was painful. And, and it did end um, with a, a little person coming out. And I put that little person in the cup and put the cup in the refrigerator. Well, a couple months went by and I let my body heal a bit and we decided to try again. And again, I got pregnant easily. And I wondered, am I gonna be like my mother-in-law with seven miscarriages during law school during this stressful time? I was so worried and I ordered online a relaxation CD, pregnancy relaxation. And I remember lying on my bed, the same bed where I had felt this pain and all this resistance to, to, having this, to losing this baby. And the, the relaxation CD instructed me to think of a place that I felt comfortable. I imagined myself on a beach. It instructed me to imagine myself holding my baby, which I did. I imagined myself walking from the sand into the water, letting the waves lap against my feet and holding my baby up in the air. And it was really nice, it was really peaceful. And then I had an experience that I've never had before or since. I felt a true communication coming through. And I, I heard or felt my baby say to me, Mama, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I felt this wave of relief. And after that, I didn't worry. And the months went on, and he did come. And I have a beautiful three-year-old boy. And one of my friends later said, you know, if you hadn't had that miscarriage, you wouldn't have Jeffrey, your beautiful son. But I don't think of it that way. That other little person was important too. I don't think it's worth discounting that, that other little being who didn't quite make it to the finish line. As the mom of an eight-year-old boy and his four-year-old daughter, Laura King gets the chance to tell two or three stories a day, mostly about spiders, fairies, and superheroes. She was, at the time she shared her story, also a lawyer with the Western Environmental Law Center in Helena. There, she told stories about arbitrary and capricious government action, and weaves in spiders, fairies, and superheroes where possible. She has since moved to California to focus on a story that will take a long time for her to tell. We'll get into that more during our conversation. Thanks for listening. I caught up with Laura in June of 2020. Hello. Hello, Laura. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm well. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. So I'm recording this right now. Okay, I think great. by law I have to say that. <laughs> yeah. I listened to your story uh, this morning. Oh, you did? Yeah, I haven't listened to it in a long time. Have you listened to it? I haven't, 
no. Well, before we get into that, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm, um, yeah, just at home working on some writing, and I've got my dog here at my feet. It's a beautiful day here in Helena. Excellent. And your kiddo is six now? Yeah, I've got Jeffrey, who's six, and Nate, who's two. Oh, my gosh. And they are actually in school. We have, um, they go to a private Montessori, which reopened. So I have a little free time every day. It's a shorter schedule, but they're in school. Are they going to be in school for the entire summer? Yeah, I think so. We're going to be taking some time off, going to California in a couple days. But for most of the summer, they'll be in school. Yeah. Nice. What's happening in California? Um. So one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is happening in California, which is I'm doing an audio storytelling project with my cousin, which I'm excited about. And it involves interviewing my dad and his dad. So that's one reason we're going. We're just also going to see our families. Cool. And is that like Northern California? It's Southern California, LA area. Oh, right on. Yeah. Have you figured out how logistically you're going to do the recordings? Like what equipment you're using and stuff? That is a great question. So my cousin who I'm doing this project with is a podcaster. Yeah. And and we're thinking of this as a podcast. He recommended a... So I have a little recording device because I've been doing interviews, but not, you know, just for my own. Like I take a transcript of them. Yeah. So I have a little recording device, and he recommended getting just a simple external microphone. But then I was also talking to a friend who is a, a guy who's done PRX pieces, and he was like, no, that's not adequate. So I don't know. If you have any recommendations, I'd love to hear them. I mean, it sounds like your PRX friend is going to have better recommendations than me, but it is interesting. Thank you. Yeah, but I love this idea for the project. What is the impetus for this? Yeah, so actually I'm super excited about the project itself and gathering these stories. My cousin and I have two great uncles who are pretty interesting historical figures in Los Angeles. Both lawyers, and I'm a lawyer, so that's kind of fun. One of them was very conservative and the other one was very liberal. So we've got a guy who is an FBI and involved in propaganda supporting Japanese internment on the one hand, and then we've got the other guy who is a criminal defense attorney and very active in, you know, abolition of criminal punishment and the efforts, early, early efforts to legalize marijuana um, in California. So uh, kind of two interesting figures um, who are also connected the movie industry, um, my family has connections to Warner Brothers, and the conservative guy became the head of um, security for, for Warner Brothers. So I think we've got some interesting stories that we can, uh, and our, both of our dads, uh, my cousin and I, um, our dads are, are getting older, so now we feel a good time to go get their stories and, and tell these stories, which... Um, really have not been very well uh, recorded, but we think maybe of interest more I mean, broadly I'm, than our 
Exactly. I'm already fascinated. I'm going to subscribe to this podcast when it comes yeah, out. Awesome. <laughs> and you have so many directions that you could take this. Yeah, that's true. And, and we don't know all the stories yet either. Um, one of the other interesting stories is that uh, our aunt, um, niece of these two great uncles, was Joan Anderson, who, um, do you know the Joan Anderson letter, Neil Cassidy's uh, Joan Anderson letter? I don't. Anyway. Neil Cassidy, um, the beat poet? There's like, because she was part of the beat movement and um, kind of involved in that scene, there's a possibility that she was the Joan Anderson in the letter. We kind of don't think she was, but, um, you know, my cousin and I were talking about creating kind of a Citizen Kane framework where you kind of build up these interesting uh, ideas that might turn into something and, and maybe they don't turn into anything at all but it's it's a hook and it gets the listener interested in, in hearing the stories and also creates a platform for telling other stories that um, kind of branch off from, from the main hooks. Rosebud. Yes, Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have you had any um, background or training in how to collect stories like this? Because it seems fascinating, and I, I, I really would love to hear what direction you want to take this. Because I'm, and I'm trying not to like plant seeds where I want to see you take it. Because <laughs> yeah, so um, Lance, my cousin, brought the project to me, and I think in part because he thought. You know, I'm a lawyer, and I can help him do the FOIA requests. But I also got really interested in just the storytelling aspect of it. Um, and, yeah, I don't have, you know, I've been doing for the past six months, I've been doing interviews and writing profiles. Um, so there's that piece of it that I've had, you know, just a little bit of experience with. But um, this is all pretty new and exciting for me. It's fascinating. It's, yeah, I mean... You might have more than one project on your hands. Yeah. Well, his concept is that we would do like a series of, that would turn into like six to eight episodes. Um, but we'll see how it shapes, how, how, how it takes shape as we gather the stories from our dads. Right. Have you thought about like what potential directions you could take it as far I mean... Do you have any sort of storyboards? No. Tell me about storyboards. Well, I'm just thinking, like, there certainly is the family aspect and getting some family stories and family history. There's also the law aspect of historical perspective of law stuff that, that both of those men dealt with. I'm also interested in hearing how they feel about what's going on right now with like defunding the police and the riots mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. I mean, it seems like, and maybe they're all, you know, maybe you can tie them all together, but it seems like there's also some standalone storytelling options with each one of those subjects that I just mentioned. And those are the only the ones that come to mind off the top of my head. And I don't even know these men. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. So yeah, I guess, yeah, it does, um, it would make sense to, once we have all the stories, figure out how they fit together and how they can be told 
Um, whether it's, you know, each episode is a standalone uh, or is there a, are there larger themes that we can also connect to present time? Right. And one thing that... One thing that I think about as far as storytelling and, and being a responsible storyteller uh-huh. is if you're a good storyteller, one of the things that you do is you anticipate questions that your listeners might have and you try, yeah. to, you try to answer those questions while you're telling the story. So the questions that you have are important and then think about questions that other people might have too and, and try to answer those or, or dismiss them and just acknowledge like, Yes, these are these are things that you might want to know about, and we're not going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear this. Do you have a? <laughs> yeah, I need to put it together. Do you have um, a target date for releasing? No, and so as I mentioned, we're also putting together FOIA requests for information from the FBI about both of these men. So it may be that it takes a while to get that information. You know, it could be a year or two years. So I have a feeling that we're, you know, we're going to get audio now. We're going to start working this up, but it, it may be a slow walked process as we wait for the other information to trickle in. Right. Well, I don't know how I can help, but if there's any way that I can help, please tell me. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell me about, stuff that you have going on or projects that you're cooking up? Yeah, well, the only, I just, um, so I quit my job as a lawyer. I was working for a nonprofit, Western Environmental Law Center, which is an awesome organization. And I'm now working as a freelancer for them, doing not law, but writing and storytelling. And I'm doing these profiles, kind of New Yorker style profiles of the uh, attorneys and what I love about it is they're just giving me free reign to do it in the way that I want to do it. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. I have been trying to, as much as possible, you know, I'll have like kind of a general idea of some things I am interested in asking them about, but I also try to just be present to the conversation and let it move in the way that it wants to move and and just be present to them as they are, you know, like I, I will always ask about their childhood, and that often yields interesting stories that they, for example, I was interviewing someone recently, and she said, well, you know, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but that is an important part of my personal story, and so cool, cool things like that, and just, you know, trying to keep it to to the story of, of why they care about the environment and, you know, why now, what's, what, what are the big issues that are bubbling up in, in your mind and your heart right now? And, and how are you facing them or bringing your energy to them? Why do you care about this work that you're doing? I, I think that's a great question. In- yeah. I, I really feel like these, you know, in some way it's like, Oh, profiles about lawyers, that's so boring. Boring, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and they're lawyers who deal with science, and that's so boring. Right. But you can humanize it, totally. you know, because they do care passionately about what they're doing. And to tap into that can be really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. When And how are those being used? Are they just being uh, pushed out on, on the website 
for the attorney? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've got it. Um, the communications director is doing the visuals, and he's doing a nice job with that. Cool. Let's talk about your story that you told at Tell Us Something. Okay, yeah. What was that like for you to tell that story? I mean, it's pretty intense. Yeah, you know, it was cathartic, and I'm glad that I told it. I um, When I had a miscarriage... Afterward, I was sharing it with some close girlfriends, and suddenly it became clear to me that having a miscarriage is a really common experience, but it's one of those things that people don't talk about, and I I felt um, good about making the decision to go and share that story in public, because I feel like it's a topic that needs to be talked about, and doesn't need to be a shameful topic that we, you know, hide and it's just a female topic and we can't talk about it in public. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, a, a powerful experience for me. What was the response of people in your community after they heard that story? You know, I remember a couple of people coming up to me afterward and thanking me for telling me, telling the story. I definitely felt a sense of, yes, that, you know, this is something that we share and we appreciate you coming out with that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a brave story to tell. And it's I asked you to tell a story not knowing anything about you because Aaron Parrott said that you'd be good at this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And so I didn't know where where you would go. And then when you said this is what you wanted to do, I was like, absolutely, because this story, I've never heard that story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those topics that there are so few stories told about it that it's like a blank slate. Like, well, what was my experience of it? You know, there's no, like, set idea I have about how I should have reacted to it. So right. that was an interesting angle to come at it from. Yeah. Yeah, because well, because there's um. You know, there's kind of this protocol when you get pregnant that you don't say anything for three months until the baby is solid. Right. I love that idea of, well, you know, I'm pregnant, and, you know, whether or not it comes to term, this is what's happening, and, and I'm going to be public about it. I like that. Right. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, anything else you want to say about your story? No, I just, I really appreciated the opportunity of, that, that you gave of having a platform to tell it. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Well, yeah, and it was just really fun. You know, it's fun having these events and hearing everyone's stories in the community. It connects you to people in a way that is not always available when you're just socializing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura. Yeah, thank you so much. This was really fun to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. And, and seriously, with your new project, if, if there's anything that you think that I might be able to help with, please call me or text or email, whatever, and, and let me know how I can help. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. You That's bet. so just of you. All right. Well, have a fantastic morning. All right. Thanks. You right. too. You bet. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Laura, and thank you for listening today. As I was listening to our interview, I thought, I wonder what Laura's up to now. It's been two years. So I asked her to sit down with me again, and we sat down to catch up on the progress 
of her podcast? So my podcast is still in its very early stages. Part of the run-up to doing it was collecting information. And so we did interviews with our dads, like multiple interviews. So we have a good bit of material from that. And then we sent FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests on both of our uncles, who the podcast is about. And we got like a tiny, tiny bit of stuff, but disappointing amount of stuff. So we like feel like we don't have the full story to tell. So at this point, and interestingly, I came across, I'll share this with you too, a woman who teaches people how to tell family stories without enough information. Her name is QM Zhang and her website is Memory Works. She says, Kim has met with individuals and communities of diverse backgrounds and experiences who are engaged in the difficult and intergenerational work of trying to recover family histories and seeking creative means of writing and reclaiming the past. Um, and that was kind of like a perfect description of where we are right now is that we have not enough information. We want to tell these intergenerational stories. We want to tell it in a way where we're part of it also, part of the story, and kind of dig into how our dads are connected to the story, how we are connected to the story, how it's, you know, kind of a, a mythic thing, like our, our, what's our family myth and explore all that stuff. So our current plan. So now that I'm in California and Lance is in California, and this is where everything happened. It's a great opportunity for us now to get together and actually make it happen. Um, he's dealing with some family COVID stuff right now, but pretty soon I think we're going to get together, sit in his studio and have a conversation and use that conversation as like a starting point for a preseason show. So we're, we've been, I think a little bit daunted also by the idea of like, okay, how do we do this and how do we do it well? Because we want to do it over multiple episodes. And there are a lot of stories to tell and multiple characters the, the, our two uncles are the main characters, but then there are our two dads and our aunts, our grandparents. So I think everyone is going to be part of it with, with our two interesting uncles as kind of the centerpiece of it. And they're, you know, the contrast between them. So that's, that's where things stand, but we're, we're still feeling there was a period of time when it was like no momentum on it. And now we're back in contact. I'm here. We're talking about sitting in his studio and having a conversation. We have a couple of boxes of stuff that we just learned about that my cousin has. So we're going to kind of, I think, build that into the story and record it like, Hey, I'm, I'm heading out to Lisa's house to pick up the box of stuff about uncle Al. We're going to look through it and kind of have the narration going so that the audience can experience it with us. So that's that's our thought right now. And when I was going back to why I got a hold of you in the first place again, just listening to your, you know, the idea of your show was so fun. And I just wanted to see where you're at with it. And you sort of got us caught up just now. Yeah. Thanks so much for your interest in it. I feel like I I I feel and Lance feels super excited about the prospect of it. 
And whenever we talk about it, we get jazzed and we're, you know, but it's like the making it happen part that has caught us up. And it's just, it feels like a big project. We feel like we want to do it right. We've got all this other stuff going on, you know, it's not like top of the priority list. So yeah, but but I love the idea of it. How many people are going to be on your team besides you and Lance? Do you know? I mean, right now it's just the two of us. Although we don't have like the full story yet. Right. So we don't know. Part of it is like, we're just investigating this. These are some things we're excited about. It's the preseason. Lance has been calling it the (laughs) preseason. We've been listening to other podcasts, which is always helpful and inspiring. But then you get into, like you said, like you get kind of addicted to them. (laughs) You know, you end up spending like eight hours (laughs) listening to some story. But yes, I love that. Um, in the dark and death in the West. I'll check those out and you must know everything. Oh yeah. I mean, you can listen to that one with your kids. Yeah, that's great. And how old in the car old? or something. Right. They're four and eight. Yeah. I mean, the eight-year-old certainly would get into it, I think. And there's nothing in it that the four-year-old at least can't sort of absorb. On cool. Story, you know, and they're also like 11 or 12 minutes long. So okay. They're not very That's long. perfect. Yeah. So like, yeah. Grocery store, no problem. Right, 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 right. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I know. Awesome. That is, it's so good to talk to you. And I feel energized just by our quick call. Thank (laughs) you for that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, cool, Laura. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for the call and yeah, your interest. And I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, Uh, I think so. Really looking forward to what you come up with. Cool. Yes. I'll let you know when we have something to share. All right. Sounds great. Have okay. a good afternoon. Thanks. You too. Right. Bye. Bye. I am so excited to tell you that the next in-person Tell Us Something storytelling event will be March 30th at the Wilma. The theme is Stone Soup. Seven storytellers will share their true personal story without notes on the theme Stone Soup. We are running at 75% capacity, which allows for listeners to really spread out at the Wilma. Learn more and get your tickets at logjampresents.com. Next week, I catch up with Neil McMahon. It's a great town. We're lucky to live here. Tune in for his story and our conversation on the next Tell Us Something podcast. Thanks to our in-kind sponsors. Hi, it's Joyce from Joyce of Tile. If you need tile work done, give me a shout. I specialize in custom tile installations. Learn more and see some examples of my work at joyceoftile.com. Hey, this is Gabe from Gecko Designs. We're proud to sponsor Tell Us Something. Learn more at geckodesigns.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company, including the family of ESPN Radio, The Trail, 103.3, Jack FM, and my favorite place to find a dance party while driving, U104.5. Float Missoula. Learn more at floatmsla.com and missoulaevents.net. Thanks to Cash for Drunkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashfordrunkersband.com. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit tellussomething.org.